welcome to Cato Daily Podcast. This is your host, Anastasia Yaglova, for Monday, May 21st. Cato's Vice President for Research, Brink Lindsay, is author of a new book from HarperCollins titled The Age of Abundance, How Prosperity Transformed America's Politics and Culture. Brink was on Jon Stewart's The Daily Show last Thursday to discuss his book, and he's the podcast guest for today. Your research for the book has led you to identify the 1950s as the critical juncture at which America's wants and needs began to trace a more libertarian direction. But how did you come to that conclusion? Why the 1950s? Well, anytime you're drawing historical lines, there's a certain arbitrariness to it. You can move it back a year or 10 years or so forth. But I think that there is a clear distinction between America after World War II and any other society at any point in history. In earlier eras, including the United States in the 1920s, say, you'll see outbreaks of prosperity and you'll see cultural consequences of that prosperity, but generally they're restricted. It's relatively small numbers of people in the society that were affected, and so the vast majority of people in the Gilded Age boom of the late 19th century in America, the vast majority of people are still farmers and factory hands, and they are not participating in this. What was different about the 1950s is that this prosperity had become the rule rather than the exception. And so the vast majority of people were neither poor nor directly exposed to the forces of nature and dependent upon nature to supply their needs. As recently as the 1920s, which was a time of consumerism and some decadence with flappers and all of that, still about 40% of the population still lived in rural areas. About 40% of the population, the best we can calculate, was below the poverty line. So there was a big difference between that era and the 50s. And in between was the period of the Depression and World War II that had, again, caused retrenchment. So there was a real breakout in the 50s that I think reached a critical mass that produced these tumultuous cultural consequences that we saw in the 60s and 70s. But wouldn't you say that right now we're actually retracing our steps back as the country's religious fundamentalist groups become more vociferous and more politically powerful? They're a critical voting bloc in national elections, for example. Uh, No, I don't think so. I think that the noisiness of the religious right is more an evidence of being on the defensive than being a surging force that's becoming more influential. In fact, most of the indicators of religiosity in America show a steady ongoing secularization, that church attendance has been flat or even declining. Evidence of kind of intensity of religious belief shows that more people doubt more, don't believe as fervently, are not as interested in proselytizing and condemning others for being different. So I think that while a minority feels culturally on the defensive and has organized and mobilized politically to affect the political process, that doesn't mean that the country as a whole is becoming more fundamentalist. And in fact, in the last couple of years, what we're seeing, I think, is a decline in the political force even of this religious right. As we see right now in the 2008 Republican presidential field, none of the leading contenders is someone that the sort of red state social conservative base is particularly comfortable with. Well, as you say, people are reacting in a very defensive way to this. So how do you propose to bring the far left and the far right into the libertarian fold? I mean, I think what we're seeing now is a kind of knee-jerk reaction to what is perceived as a hedonistic erosion of traditional values. And then from the other end, a demonization of capitalism and commercial culture. 
I don't propose to bring the far left and far right in. What I propose is to have our politics dictated by the people in the center rather than by the people on the extremes. You're right that we have our ideological true believers on the left and the right are both in different ways people who are deeply dissatisfied with the kind of more libertarian society that I talk about emerging in my book. You've got the people on the left who are very upset about economic change. And so you hear them always saying that the sky is falling and that outsourcing and Walmart are going to lead us all to the poorhouse, or at least everybody except the people in the top 1%, and that global warming is going to bring an end to civilization. Meanwhile, on the right, you have people who think that the culture is falling apart. And so what are their main issues these days? It's gay marriage is going to destroy the family, and illegal immigration is going to swamp the culture, and stem cell research is going to lead us to a brave new world of horrors. So you've got this real pessimism on the fringes of the spectrum. But I think most Americans don't live on those fringes. Most Americans are in the big hump in the center of the bell curve and don't really belong to the red or the blue. They're more, I think, purplish, libertarianish center. So John Stewart's show last Thursday on this very topic, how do you think it went? It seemed to me that he was right behind you point by point. Well, it was a lot of fun. The Daily Show is one of my very favorite television shows, so it was a thrill to be on it. I think it's a commentary on the state of our politics that the most insightful, most acute take on the news comes from a comedy show. And it shows, I think, how absurd and ridiculous our politicians can be. So I was delighted that he had me on. He seemed to like the book and be positive about its message. So it was great fun to be on there. Thank you, Brink. And thank you for listening to Cato Daily Podcast. The Cato Institute is a nonprofit organization that accepts no government funding. If you'd like to find out more about Cato or would like to make a contribution, please visit our website, www.cato.org.